All right, well, if you have a Bible, open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we are uh, nearing the end of our series called Dwell. We've been uh, looking, of course, at the books of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy uh, over the, this whole semester, really, since uh, September. And so um, we today find ourselves in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and a very interesting passage that Moses speaks to uh, the people of Israel with many, many years ago. So um, we are going to move forward today and look and see what he has to say. But before we do that, let me pray and ask the Lord to bless his word this morning. God, we love you, and we thank you that we are able to even be here today. We thank you, Jesus, that you have come to earth to rescue sinners. And Lord, I pray that today, as we look at Deuteronomy 6 and see these words that you gave Moses to your people in the Old Testament, that you would translate, translate that, Lord, into our hearts today, that your Holy Spirit would speak these truths and these principles deep into our hearts and change us. Lord, we believe your word is powerful. It is the only power to change truly our hearts. So Lord, would you do that today? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Summer Olympics are coming up this summer. I'm sure you're all very excited, right? Uh, I'm excited. I really enjoy watching other people do things that I will never be able to do. It's very encouraging. Uh, though I would say that some of the Summer Olympics sports are not necessarily sports, right? Like ping pong. I mean, is that a sport? Like when did ping pong become a sport? I mean, it's impressive the way they play it, but I don't know about that. So anyways, without a doubt, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Olympics fan. And I think one thing though, one of the more impressive sports in the Summer Olympics is particularly in track and field, and that's the relay race. All right. I, I actually think the relay race is very impressive because now, listen, in all my years of track and field experience, which is none. Um, here's what I do know, okay? Here's what I know. What's the most important moment? Like, think about it. In, in a relay race, what's the most important moment of that race? It's the moment when both runners are running. And what's happening? The exchange of the baton, right? The passing of the baton. It's that, it's not very long, really. It's just, it, but it is pivotal, right? It, it's the key moment of the race when one runner is finishing the race and starting to pass the baton and the other one is also running simultaneously just ahead of them and receiving the baton. That is absolutely the most important part because if the baton is not passed as they're both running that and, and striving to win, right? If the baton is not passed, the race is over for that team. It's done, right? They're out. So even though one runner is ending their race at that one part, at that one point, the other is just beginning. It's still, they're both running together. Well, listen, believe it or not, right? Believe it or not, this is really a perfect illustration of what Moses is talking about in Deuteronomy 6. It really is. Because Moses knows the importance of passing the baton, so to speak, to the next generation. Passing the faith of God in God to his next, the next generation of Israelites. Moses is part of that older generation of Israel that we've looked at and, you know, they were not allowed to enter into the promised land because they rebelled against God. And so, so their sentence was that they could not enter into the promised land, right? So Moses is part of that older generation, but it's still their responsibility. 
to pass on the faith to this new and younger generation who is going to go into the land. So there's this overlap where they're both all alive at the same time. And I think that's the part of the race, right? That's the part of the race where they're both running together. The older generation and the younger are still moving towards the promised land. They're still on mission for God, but one must pass the faith on to the next in order for it to continue. So Moses wants to make sure. Moses wants to make sure that the baton is passed and that it continues to be passed down from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. So that brings us to what he has to say, what the Lord says through him in Deuteronomy 6. We're going to start in verses 1 through 3. All right, you can see it on the screens as well. Moses says this, now this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So to understand this truly, you have to remember the big picture of why God called Israel to be his people in the Old Testament in the first place right? Why did God choose this man named Abraham so many years, hundreds of years before this account we're reading today? Way back in Genesis 12, we see God chose this kind of random in our minds, but not to God, right? He chose this man named Abraham to be the essentially the forefather of this whole great nation, right? And he said he would bless his people, his family, and he would, they would turn into this nation. And what was the whole purpose of all of that? It was so that this people, God's chosen people, could represent him faithfully in the world so that the rest of the world could see, right? They were never meant to be just enemies of the world. They were supposed to show the world, right? They were supposed to show the rest of the world what God is like, right? And how to love him, how to worship him, how to know him, spreading his image as we were all designed to do to spread his image around the world. God redeems his original plan for humankind in the Old Testament. He's seeking to do that through Israel, to bear his image around the world. So in order for that to happen, the truth of God must be preserved. It must be taught from one generation to the next, right? It must be passed on to each generation. So notice again what Moses said in verse 2. He says, it should be to you and your son and your son's son, right? So Moses wants the people to see that they are part of something much bigger than themselves, right? They're a part of something so much bigger than just their own little world, right? They can truly be, if they really grasp this, they can truly be a part of God's redemptive plan by setting up the next generation to follow him and to continue God's plan to fill the earth with his glory. That's a pretty cool thing. 
It's a pretty cool opportunity that they have. Look what Moses says next in verse 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So Moses is saying, listen, there's only one God. The Lord is one. He is unique. There is no other one like him. He is the only one true God. And that's important for them to understand in a very polytheistic culture that they were surrounded by and going into. So God exclusively then deserves all of our affection, Moses says. He he deserves all of our adoration and our worship. The very center of our being, our heart, Our thoughts, our passions, our affections, our energy, our efforts should be centered around the one true God, Moses says. But he says that they can't pass on that faith to the next generation if their own hearts are not truly loving the Lord in this way. So not just the older generation, but even the younger parents who would have been included in this, right? They must understand Their heart must love the Lord if they want to pass that love on to their kids, right? If if your own heart doesn't really love the Lord, then all you're doing is passing this cold, stale, religious routine to your kids. But if you are earnestly seeking to love the Lord with your heart, Moses says, then their kids, your kids, will see your desire for heartfelt obedience, your desire for that, right? They'll see that it's not about religious routines, it's about a real relationship with God. So Moses emphasizes the importance of the heart here, right? Now look what he continues to say, verse 7 through 9. He says, about God's truth, you shall teach, right, teach them, your children, Teach these truths, I should say. You should teach these truths, right? God's truth diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, Moses is telling the people to make the best of every opportunity. Every opportunity in just ordinary daily life. Be intentional, he says, with how you share God's truth with your children. Now, this was imperative for Israel. They must do this. Israel must pass on the faith to the next generation, the baton, so to speak, to the next generation, and it is imperative for us. This applies so well to us today, the church, the church of Jesus Christ in this world. This applies to us to pass the baton, to show the next generation how to love the Lord, how to worship God, how to be followers of Jesus Christ. Psalm 145 verse 4 says, one, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Because here's the thing, you know, the Apostle Paul described the Christian life as a race in other parts of the New Testament, and we're kind of all in different points, you know, in this race, this journey of life. Maybe you are a little closer to the end, or maybe you're just beginning to run. 
But here's the thing. If you look around this room, you know what we're all doing right now? We're all still in the race, no matter what part of it you're in. So we're all running together. We're all running towards Christ together at the same time. So the question then is, will the baton be passed? Will one generation pass the faith, pass the love on to the next? It's a pivotal moment. So the question we want to ask from looking at what Moses had to say about this very thing is how can we pass on the faith to the next generation? Now let me clarify one thing real quick. I do want to clarify that when I say pass on the faith to the next generation, uh, here's what that does not mean. That does not mean that one, uh, uh, the new generation, or your kids, your grandkids, that does not mean that they automatically enter into a saving relationship with God just because you bring them to church, right? Or just because you teach them something about the Lord. It's not automatic. We believe that every individual person will stand before God and answer for themselves, okay? So you don't inherit salvation, all right? It's not gifted to you from your parents or your grandparents, right? Just because your mom or your dad was a Christian doesn't mean that you are automatically a Christian, right? You might be a Christian by cultural standards, but that doesn't mean that you have a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we all will stand before Christ one day and answer to him alone, individually, for our own belief. Now, I do want to be clear on that. So when we do say, how can we pass on the faith to the next generation, what we're talking about is exactly what uh, Will read for us in the New Testament, Ephesians 6, right? How can we instruct the next generation? How can we encourage the next generation? How can we model and show the next generation how to love God so that they will, right? So that they can follow Jesus Christ. So most of the content today I've actually shared with you uh, back on our Next Gen Sunday in our vision series back in January of this year, but I want us to take a fresh look at this again today uh, because it's obviously perfect timing in Deuteronomy. So we're going to be very practical uh, today, but the first thing though I want us to understand as we answer this question or we seek to answer this question is the importance of loving God, okay? So love, you know, Moses already made it very clear that it's gotta be in your heart, right? You should love the Lord with all your heart. And so what does the New Testament have to say about that? Well, get this, Matthew 22. Here's what Jesus himself said about this. He said, or someone asked Jesus, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So in other words, someone was kind of asking Jesus like, hey, out of all the whole, out of everything in the Old Testament, what, what's like the one thing we should remember the most, right? And what did he say? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Didn't we just read that? You see that? Jesus is quoting the Old Testament. This is the great and first commandment, Jesus says. So Jesus is telling us, listen, if you don't get this right, nothing else will be right. So parents, grandparents, guardians, aunts, uncles, right? If we don't get that part right in our own lives, If we do not love the Lord with our whole heart, how could we pass that on to our next generation? It's not going to happen. So when we think about passing it on to the next generation, if, if love for God is not the theme of our homes, if it's not the theme of our church, then love for something else will be. You see, God designed every single human in his image, and he created us with this desire, this innate desire to love something. He created us as relational beings to love and worship something. And 
God should be that something, right? But if he's not, right? If you do not follow Jesus, he's not that something, then something else is. Everybody in here, everybody in the world are worshipers. We're all worshipers. It just depends on what or who we're worshiping. So I think a lot of parents today, I think a lot of parents today, and I'm not trying to be too critical here, but I just, I think this is real. I think a lot of parents fall in love with the idea, with the idea of loving God, right? So we love the idea of being known as a Christian family, but we never actually read or study our Bible together in the home. Or maybe, maybe we love the idea of our kids, you know, loving God and, and serving the Lord, but we don't even bring them to church more than once a month. So I do think we need to be careful not to fall in love with this cultural idea of Christianity that we want to be labeled as when the truth is, as Jesus points out, in the heart, in the heart, it's not even really there. I don't think most parents lack motivation. I don't think most parents lack hard work. It's just that our motivation and our hard work and our loves and our adoration are directed to other things. Our priorities are out of line. Maybe all of your heart, soul, and might, your energy is misdirected to other loves, other gods, you could say. So parents, grandparents, your children, your children will learn what is most important in life, get this, by what you love the most. And they're not going to be fooled. They may be fooled early on, but as they get older, they will look at you and they will see what you really love the most in your life. They're going to see that and they're going to think that's what's most important in life. The kids at this church, the kids who come to this church will learn what we value as a church body, as a church family. They will see what we prioritize by what we love the most and how we love each other. So the command is clear, right? For us, for whether you're a parent or not, if you are a part of this church, right, being created in the image of God, we were made to love and give ourselves in devotion to something. So if God is not that, if God is not that supreme center and love of our hearts, then something is. Uh, there's a great book on family discipleship by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin. They say one of the best ways you can love your child well is by loving your God well. Your kids learn how to love God by watching how you love God. So now the question becomes, right, how do we pass that love on to our kids, to the next generation as parents and collectively as a church? How do we do that? All right, so let's seek to answer that question a little better now, more specifically and practically. So how can we pass on the faith to the next generation? All right, well, first of all, I think we have to lead them to love the Lord through Three things. Number one, structured teaching. Lead the next generation of Jesus followers to love the Lord through structured teaching. Where do we see that here? We see it in verse 7. Look at that again. Look at verse 7. Moses says, you shall teach. So that implies learning, right? And when you teach, if you do it well, it's structured, right? So you shall teach them diligently. Again, it implies intentionality, structure, right? So we should teach the truths of God diligently to our children. Now, you can't love something that you don't know much about, 
right? I mean, that's just true in any aspect of life. If you don't, if you don't love sports and you hear other people talking about sports, you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about, right? I don't know what's wrong with the Jaguars. There's something wrong with them. Like, I don't understand, right? No, there's not, by the way. They're good, all right? But if you don't know, right, it's just hard to love something that you don't really know, right? Look, Look at what Paul said. We read this earlier during our worship. Ephesians 6, verse 4, he says, raise up your kids, right? Bring them up in the what? In the discipline and instruction of the Lord, right? The discipline and instruction of the Lord. So this This structured teaching that we see in the scriptures here of God's truth should be happening in really several places, and we're going to get to that in a second. It should be happening at home first, right? So in your home as a parent, as a guardian, as a a grandparent, if you have uh, minors living with you, right, it's your job to disciple them, to teach them structured teaching of God's truth in the home first, but also at church, right? It's not either or, it's both and, And to do this diligently, as Moses says, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to set aside time, right? You're just going to have to make time. You're going to have to set aside time in your daily or weekly schedule. You got to be consistent with it, right? You got to lean heavily on age-appropriate resources. We're going to give you some of those at the end of the service today. So here's just kind of an example, right? We're, we're not the perfect model. I just, I'm just simply sharing to you what we do, and this is going to look different in every home, okay? So in the Wilkes home, uh, Christy and I, we, um, we do this with our kids. Our, our kids are seven, six, and three. Um, so this is going to look different in our house than it may yours, right? Uh, if I ever look tired, it's because I am, right? That's why. Um, so our kids are seven, six, and three. So this is going to look different, you know, in our house and it may be yours, depending on the age of your kids. But, you know, we just have a simple but intentional approach right now. And so we use, you know, catechism questions and answers uh, to teach them biblical doctrine that is memorable and age appropriate. You know, we read a variety of Christian books to them. Um, our most favorite one right now is the Jesus Storybook Bible. We're, we're going through that. Uh, numerous times, um, we listen to a kid's story podcast in the car sometimes that teaches God's truth. Um, we listen to kids' worship songs. Um, we may dress up like pirates and look for buried treasure. That doesn't have anything to do with uh, discipleship, but it's fun, um, right? So, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of little different neat things, you know, you can do. It's simple, again, but that's where we are, right, with young children. So I say that to say you may be in a different place, Right, So if you have a fifth grader or you have teenagers in the home teaching diligently, as Moses says, right? In other words, getting into God's word and his truth and getting that truth into their minds, it's just going to look different. It's going to look different in every house depending on the age of the kids and the, and the context and the situation. But I want to give you this word of encouragement today, right? There are so many There are so many good resources for you as a parent or a guardian or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, whoever you are, right? It is so good today in today's world with the internet, but also just easy access to good resources over the years that have been created and published. So there's really no excuse. Like we can, it's a good thing to lean heavy on those good, solid resources that are out there. Uh, those devotions or books or Bible, you know, kids' Bibles. Get this stuff. I mean, get it. It's listen. Christmas time, perfect. 
perfect time to get your kids a, a great you know, Bible that they can understand. It's the perfect time to get your teenager a good devotional and walk with it through them and have good conversation about the Lord. Perfect time, right, to initiate a lot of this stuff. So I'm gonna give you a list. All right, we're gonna check it twice at the end of the service today. All right, see, yeah. So we're gonna have a list at the end. So implement though, right, implement some of this structured teaching of, of God's word to your kids at home and, and not only that at home, but bring them to church. Like bring them to church consistently so that they know that's important. Your kids can learn so much by learning together with other kids, right? About who God is and how he created us to love him. I mean, weekly, weekly church attendance, I would say, I mean, you could, maybe you could push back a little on, on this, but I would say weekly church attendance is necessary. It's a necessary opportunity for your children to grow up knowing how to worship God with others, how to grow in their faith with other kids their age, and how to learn how to live in this world for Christ and how to share the gospel. So structured teaching in the home and at church is so, so important. What's the second thing? All right, lead them to love the Lord. This is how we can pass it on to the next generation. Number two, through ongoing conversation and demonstration. Ongoing conversation and demonstration. Now look at the end of verse seven again. So Moses says, you teach it diligently, but what else do you do? You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, right? When, say when, this is it, right? All these times, all these occasions. Notice the key words there. You're talking, you're talking to your kids about God's truth when, all the time, right? Throughout those different moments of the day, just everyday normal stuff, right? Ordinary situations. You don't have to over-spiritualize it and you know, get around a campfire and sing Kumbaya. It's just in the car, right? Or when you're making breakfast, you know, or if you, who makes breakfast, right? right? When, you, right when you're doing something and the kids are around and you're just doing these things, right? And, and you talk, you talk about the Lord in some way, right? So that means the conversation is really never ending, right? The conversation is just never ending. It's ongoing. But also think about it. If you're intentionally spending time with your kids, talking about God in those ordinary moments of life, that means they will be around you and they're watching you. So you're also demonstrating to them how to love the Lord, right? So you're not just speaking verbally, you're speaking with your behavior as well. Now that's challenging, right? Practically though, let's look at this piece by piece. So what could ongoing conversation and demonstration look like in your home? All right, well, for the ongoing conversation part of it, I think that means that, you know, parents, grandparents, uh, guardians, you are proactively looking for opportunities to talk about Jesus and the gospel, right? So you're proactively looking for a chance, like you're not waiting on them to bring it up, you're bringing it up, right? And, or, or not just that, but maybe one of God's characteristics or his attributes, right? Or a way that you can serve others as Jesus did, right? So if your kids are young, like, uh, you know, like our kids are young, you know, you may, you may point out God's creativity when you see a really beautiful sunset, right? And I know that sounds simple, but what does that do? Like, if you just see a beautiful sunset and you say to your three-year-old, isn't that amazing how God is so creative, right? Isn't, it, isn't God beautiful? Look at the beautiful things that God makes. Look at all those colors. Now that seems simple, but you know what it's doing? 
it's getting, it's getting him or her at a young age, it gets them thinking about how big God is, how great God is, how beautiful and wonderful God is, right? Now, sometimes this may be easy. Sometimes this may be easy. Sometimes you may have to get creative, okay? Like right now, it's not always that easy for us. You know, it, it, would, it would be normal for me to bring up a spiritual thought to my six-year-old and him reply, you know, and just randomly change the subject. Yeah, but, yeah, dad, but why did Anakin Skywalker turn into Darth Vader? Right, he'll do that, you know, like, you're just like, okay, let's go, let's talk about the Bible again. Let's, let's move back, right? So this is something that you're going to have to work on. You're going to have to figure out what makes your kids, you know, click and what clicks in their minds. It's something to keep doing, though, that you know, and, and it eventually it just flows, right? It flows naturally if you make it a normal rhythm to talk about spiritual things with your kids. But regardless of your kids' ages, right, we have to look for opportunities to point them to God's truth and specifically their need for grace, their need for forgiveness. Point them to the cross of Christ and all those little moments of every day. You have millions of little moments. You have millions of little moments with your children in your lifetime as a parent, but it doesn't last forever. If your, parent, if your kids are still at home, parents, that's that moment of the race where you're both still running together. But one day, when they move out, your part will be over, right? In terms of discipling them at home. So parents, what we're doing with our kids, are we having ongoing conversation? Are we having ongoing demonstration? Now for the demonstration part of it, verse 7, parents, what you say and do or what you don't do is shaping how your kids think about the world how your kids think about the Lord. To quote Chandler and Griffin again, they say, willfully or not, all parents are perpetually discipling the children around them. Children are watching and listening to you as they form their impressions of the world, of faith and of what it means to be an adult. Now listen, I know this is convicting. This is convicting to me personally. This is convicting to many of us in this room, right? Because as parents, guess what? We are sinners ourselves. <laughs> parents, we are sinners ourselves, right? And so we're trying and seeking to fight the good fight as the Holy Spirit continues to sanctify us. So what do our kids need to see in us? What do we need to demonstrate for them? We need to demonstrate honesty, humility, grace, repentance, forgiveness in our own hearts when appropriate before our kids so they can see it, they can model all right, we model that for them. Paul Tripp says, no parent gives mercy better than the one who is convinced that he desperately needs it himself. So parents, are you convinced that you desperately need mercy? That you are a sinner? That you need forgiveness from the Lord? If you know that and truly grasp that in your own heart, you can pass that on to your kids and even model that for your kids. All right, lastly, number three. If we're going to pass the baton on to the next generation, we have to lead them to love the Lord through, number three, constant reminders. Constant reminders. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 8 and 9 again. Moses says, You shall bind them, and these truths, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, we're not saying you physically, tangibly have to do these things or start walking around with a note card tape between your eyes. You don't have to do that, right? But notice, these are visible reminders of God's truth, right? That's what this is. These are visible reminders of God's truth. So this, again, doesn't have to be literal or physical necessarily, but 
it can be. So, hey, listen, if having a decorative piece of art, you know, with scripture on it in your house, if that is what reminds you that this house belongs to the Lord or this is what we're going to do or this is how we're going to think, right, then by all means, do that. If you have to write, you know, on index cards, you know, scripture verses, you know, on your bathroom mirror and tape it up there or whatever that you have to do to remind you to remember to do this or don't do that with your children and teach them about the Lord, whatever works, whatever works for you. But the point is to let God's truth get into your heart, to let God's truth get into your heart and live there as a parent. And then remind yourself, remind yourself constantly to give that to your kids, to give that heartfelt worship, to model that for your kids. I think we have to declare and determine that our homes are going to be governed by God's truth, by his word. Not our opinions, not society's opinions, but as God's word Is God's truth actually governing your home? Do your kids see the Bible as being authoritative? Do they see God himself as being authoritative? Are we modeling that for them? Are there constant reminders that in this house we love God's truth? Because it is the only truth. It's the only thing that's eternal. God's truth, his word lasts forever. Are there constant reminders in your home that that is true? So how can you, parents, how can you constantly remind yourself of God's word, his authority over your home? Think of a creative way, right? You can be creative with this. Make it fun. Think of a way to do this. All right, so I, wanna, I told you I'd give you a list, and we're going to check it once at least, all right? So here are, some, uh, here are some resources that I want you guys to write down. So um, listen, you can, or you know, take your phone out and snap a picture of the screen if you don't have time to write this down or you don't have anything to write with. Um, because like I said, it's Christmas time and you're like, I need to buy a gift for somebody. Here it is. This is it. I'm trying to help you. Okay. Um, I'm very proud of my family this year. We're like almost done with our Christmas shopping already. This is bizarre. This is the strangest thing. All right. But we're doing good. Um, all right. So <laughs> here's some at, at home resources. All right. Um, some helpful books and devotions for family discipleship. Uh, the big book of Bible stories for toddlers by Lifeway is really good. So obviously that's for toddlers. Uh, the, both, by the way, I'm going to try to give you the age, age categories here. Uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible, is that's the one I referenced earlier that I'm, we currently read uh, in our house. Um, it's really good uh, to me. The reason I love that one and Christy, uh, my wife, loves that one is because um, we think it paints a really good picture of how the Old Testament points to Jesus. Um, you know, we, we try to preach that way. We try to teach that way here at Kernan and all that we do. And, and we believe that Jesus is the central hero of the whole Bible, even the Old Testament, even in Leviticus. And so we think that that storybook Bible does a really good job of, of painting that picture. So that'd be a great gift for Christmas for, um, I would say, uh, preschool, early elementary age there. Uh, long story short, um, Marty Mikowski uh, he's a great author with really good resources for parents and kids. Um, that could be you know, elementary school there, I think. Um, dinner table devotions. I think this is a little bit older. Uh, Nancy Guthrie <clears throat> is a good one. Um, so those are like discussion starters, essentially. Um, so that would be like, uh, you know, kind of helping you talk about the Lord while you're having, you know, dinner together as a family or something like that. That would be a great thing to get. 
Um, the disciple-making parent, so this is exclusively for parents, um, so that's a really, really awesome resource. Um, there's a lot of good parenting books out there. This one is very comprehensive and practical, so that's by Chat Bettis. Uh, Family Discipleship is another really, really good one. Uh, if you're looking for like creative ways to structure discipleship opportunities in your home, uh, Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin, that's a good, good resource there. Okay, uh, there's some other good things. Like I said, music in the car, right? Music is really good or in the house, wherever. Um, so I think, you know, especially with younger kids, they, they like to sing, they like to dance, you know, do whatever. Um, you, you know, my kids dance like me and it's, it's really funny. Um, so, and, and weird. Um, so, all right, great music for family discipleship. Sovereign Grace Kids, they do a really good job there. I think personally that theologically, like, you are not going to find better kids Christian music theologically about God's word than Sovereign Grace Kids. So good. So ri- very rich in truth and catchy. The songs are super catchy, and even some of them are kind of funny. They're really good. Uh, Seeds Family Worship is really good. They sing scripture. Uh, and then Renko Kids is also really good. Um, church opportunities. All right, so that's all that, that I just gave you is stuff at home, right, that you can uh, get for yourself at home. But hey, listen, here at church, how can we pass the baton to the next generation at Kernan? We have a whole ministry here at Kernan dedicated to the next generation. We call it Next Gen Ministry. So we have preschool, kids, and student ministries here at the church. So that's from diapers to diplomas, we say. That's, we, we cover it all in between, right? Um, we have Sunday morning kid groups and student, uh, student groups on Sunday mornings at 9.15. And of course, worship. We have kids worship and preschool worship at 10, uh, at 10.30. And then Wednesday nights, right, we have uh, 6th through 12th grade meet upstairs. Awesome opportunity to hang out with other kids and be discipled. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so on Wednesday nights, we have a WANA program with our preschoolers and our elementary school. So get your kids in that. They learn God's word. They memorize scripture. It's an excellent resource. Um, we also love to share recommended resources with you. So um, we have a lot of resources like books and stuff here at Kernan as examples and on display in different parts of the church. So if you have a question or you're like, hey, what would be good for me and my family? You know, you can talk to Christy Wilkes, the preschool director. You can talk to Jessica Shepard, our kids director. Uh, you can talk to Will Bryson, our student director, or myself. You know, we would love to recommend uh, different resources to you. And then, of course, how can you, right? How can you as a church member... How can you play a role? Like, and, and here's an interesting question. Let's say that your kids are grown and you're empty nesters and they're out of the house, you know, or maybe you don't have kids, maybe you're single. Like, how, do, how can you play a role in this? I'm glad you asked, right? Everybody can, and get this, everybody should. Everybody, every church member at Kernan should play a pivotal role in passing the baton on to the next generation. How can you do that? I think you can creatively and generously invest in our next-gen ministry here at Kernan, right? You can serve. So you can serve in the nursery. You can serve in preschool worship while they're, you know, you can do that once every six weeks or whatever, you know, just miss this and go in there and serve. Love those kids, right? Show them the love of Jesus through you modeling that for them and giving them instruction instruction and teaching. There's all kinds of different things you can do, right? You can, you can help out with kids groups or kids worship. You can help serve in the student ministry. You can, there's all kinds of things you can do. You can give. You can give, of course, generally speaking, but you can give specifically to help send a kid to kids camp, right? Or student camp. You can help serve the next generation by giving in some way. And lastly, we can all encourage, Every single one of us should, right? We should encourage the younger generation. 
right? So if, if you know that those kids are over there learning their Bible verses on Wednesday nights and you see them walking around with their little Awana vests and they have their badge on and their little jewels they earn for all these things they're doing, right? Just go up to the kid and say, hey, that's really cool. What's that? Man, you're, that's awesome. You learned that Bible verse tonight. You said that verse. I mean, just be encouraging and show that next generation like, hey, we believe in you guys. We know that you are doing a good job, but most of all, we love Jesus and we want you to love Jesus too, right? And so we can encourage that next generation. All of us can do that in different kinds of creative ways by just being, being that voice and that light to them that encourages them in that moment. So I, I think this is just some practical stuff. I, I, wanted to be, I wanted to be really practical for you guys today because I know a lot of times, you know, we can talk and kind of up here about, hey, let's be better parents and all that kind of stuff. But what does it look like, right? What does it really look like when the rubber meets the road? And so I think, I think that's what Moses was doing. I think in Deuteronomy chapter six, that's why he said, when you go down, when you lay down to go to sleep, right? When you wake up, when you're walking along the way, I think he's trying to paint a picture for the parents of, of that generation and saying, listen, this is how we have to love the next generation by showing them the love of God. And, I, and that's what I hope we've, we've done today. So um, today I want us to, close by, I want to remind you one big thing, and it's a very big thing. Listen, we aren't, we are not demanding perfection, right? As parents, I'm speaking as a whole, as parents, as, as church members, we're not demanding perfection from our kids, right? Because they're not perfect and neither are we. We are not going to do all of this perfectly either, by the way. We're not going to perfectly pass on the faith. That's impossible, but that's exactly the point. The point is that it is impossible for us to perfectly pass on the faith. It's impossible because of sin. What our kids need to know in this church and in our homes and our families is that someone is already, has already been perfect for them. We can't put unnecessary pressure on them to be perfect because they'll never be. No, someone has been perfect for them. What our kids need to know is that there is a God who loves them. He has high standards, and they are sinners, but he gave his life for them. That God, the one true God, is both a holy judge who takes sin very seriously, so seriously, in fact, that he had to die for it. Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth to die for our sin. God is both a holy judge, but he's also a loving father that he sent his son to do that for us. And the only way, the only way for any of us, whether you're a parent or not, listen, the only way for any human in this world to be adopted into the family of God is by grace through faith in what Jesus has already done for you, his perfection. So at the end of the day, we should want the same thing for our kids as we want for ourselves. For the gospel, what Jesus has done, his perfect life, the death he died in our place, and his resurrection from the grave. Faith in his work, not our own. We should want that for our kids because we know that that's what we have in our hearts. That Jesus has captivated our hearts and that he loves us for our greatest affection to be Christ himself. So can we pass that on? Can we pass on that love to our kids, to our grandkids? It may start 
You know, if, if you want to take this seriously, listen, you know what? It may start as a Christmas gift. Maybe that's how it starts. But let that not be the end. Let the gift not be the end, but just the beginning of a deeper relationship, ongoing conversation, demonstration, structured teaching, intentional discipleship, leading others to love the Lord through the love we have for him in our own hearts. Can we do that, church? Amen. Well, let's pray to that end. And then after I pray, we're going to be dismissed. Uh, So let's go ahead and stand. Um, We're not going to do a closing song today. So our prayer will be our dismissal. But again, thank you guys for being here this morning. If you do have any questions or you'd like to speak to someone, even perhaps about some of these resources we just mentioned, uh, please find one of our Next Steps team members out in the lobby today. They would be happy to connect with you and just encourage you and answer any questions you may have and direct you in the right, in the right place. So let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you came to earth to die in our place. Lord, we thank you that by faith in your name and what you've done for us, we are adopted into God's family. Father, you become our true heavenly father. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to love you with all of our heart, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind. Lord, let us love you first, truly in our own hearts. And Lord, let us lead our children to love you the same. Lord, we cannot, we will not do this perfectly, not even close. But Lord, would you give us grace? Holy Spirit, would you give us power and strength? When we're feeling tired, would you give us energy? When we're feeling weak, would you give us strength? Lord, when we're feeling doubtful, would you fill our hearts with trust? When we're unsure, would you give us the certainty of your truth? Lord, whatever craziness may come our way in this world as parents, God, we pray that you would fill our own hearts with your love. Let us rest secure in who you are, Jesus, and who we are because of you. And let that motivate us to model this truth, demonstrate this truth, teach this truth to our own kids. Lord, help us to pass this baton. Let us pass it on faithfully to glorify your name in this earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.